Chapter 11, Part 1 of The Life of Philip Melanchthon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas, USA. The Life of Philip Melanchthon by Carl Friedrich Lederhose. Translated by Gottlob Frederick Krotel, 1826 to 1907. Chapter 11 The Diet of Augsburg, Part 1. The Turks, who had advanced victoriously as far as Vienna, met with so determined a resistance at the hands of the brave hero Philip of the Palatinate that they were obliged to retreat. Thus the danger which threatened the emperor from the east was lessened. He had resumed peaceful relations with King Francis of France, and was also reconciled to the Pope, and had been crowned by him. He now had abundant opportunity to attend to the religious difficulties, and as he hoped to bring them to a happy conclusion. It is very true that Pope Clemens would hear nothing of it, when he informed him that it would be necessary to hold a general council, and that he intended to summon a diet on this account, Clemens, in his reply, declared that religious difficulties must be brought before the Bishop of Rome, and that he, in every case, had a right to convene a general council. He demanded power of arms to suppress the dissatisfaction reigning in Germany, and said, quote, there is no other way for you but to restore peace by your arms. Of course, Charles would not agree to this. He insisted upon a diet and said, quote, We must hear both sides and then pronounce sentence, not according to our tyrannical pleasure, but according to the law and doctrine given us by God. End quote. On the 21st of January, 1530, the necessary imperial documents were dispatched from Bologna to Germany, fixing the meeting of the Diet for the 8th of April, in Augsburg. Besides deliberating concerning assistance against the Turks, they would also consider, quote, what might be done and resolved in reference to the errors and schism in our holy faith and the Christian religion. The imperial proclamation was couched in very mild terms, yet the evangelical party entertained unfounded fears that the emperor would now assume a more hostile attitude. The landgrave, Philip of Hesse, even considered it dangerous to attend the Diet. We are already acquainted with this man who was not at all disinclined to divide the Gordian knot with the sword. But the Elector John was of a different opinion, and besides this, consulted his theologians in this important matter. They expressed themselves most decidedly against an armed resistance. Luther gave his opinion to the Elector as early as the 6th of March. Melanchthon added a preface. On the 14th of March, an electoral decree was sent to Luther, Jonas, Bugenhagen, and Melanchthon, 
which called upon them to prepare a list of the principal points of difference in matters of faith and the customs of the church so that it might be known how far they might go at the approaching diet they selected the seventeen so-called articles of torgau which were formerly called the articles of schwabach and had been prepared by luther they constitute the basis of the augsburg confession on march twenty first the theologians were commanded to meet the elector in torgau here in torgau these theologians assembled in the parsonage and presented this matter to god with prayers and sighs on one occasion melanchthon arose sad and weary having been called out by a messenger when he had dismissed the messenger he retired to his room here he found the wives and children of the pastor and his two chaplains some of these children were being suckled whilst others were being examined in the catechism and prayer when master philip saw this he stood still for a little while looking on and listening with great surprise as the little children were praying with stammering tongues and he thinks of the words of the psalmist quote, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise End quote. he is especially moved by beholding the wife of one of the chaplains suckling one child and at the same time cutting turnips for her husband's dinner whilst another child is repeating its prayers to her when philip saw this he exclaimed quote, oh what a holy and god-pleasing work End quote. he goes in again to the theologians joyous and comforted dr luther asked him how he came to enter so pleasantly after having gone out in such sadness then melanchthon replied quote, my dear sirs let us not be so faint-hearted for i have just now seen those who shall fight for us who protect us and who are and shall remain invincible in all violence dr luther inquired who these mighty heroes were philip replied quote, the wives and little children of our pastor and his chaplains whose prayer is now heard and which god will not leave unanswered even as our faithful god and father of our lord jesus christ has not despised this their prayer up to the present time this filled the theologians with great joy so that they remained firmly in the truth and bore witness of the same and the result proved that faith and prayer will always gain the victory the elector was pleased with these articles and commissioned melanchthon to arrange them in a proper manner and also to write an introduction to them on the third of april the elector accompanied by a numerous retinue and the theologians commenced his journey they proceeded very slowly by way of eisenberg weimar and coburg here they rested several days for melanchthon was already preparing the articles which were to be delivered at augsburg but luther who was particularly hated by their opponents was left behind in coburg 
where he took up his quarters in the castle, having for his companion a very worthy man, Viet Dietrich of Nuremberg. April 21st or 22nd, the elector resumes his journey, and Agricola has taken Luther's place. In Nuremberg, they halted but a single day. Melanchthon made use of these moments to report the latest news to Luther, and thus concludes, quote, Christ preserve you, pray for us all, On the 2nd of May, the elector and his retinue arrived in Augsburg. None of the princes had yet arrived, as they were obliged to wait some time for the coming of the emperor, Melanchthon, who was at all times fond of correcting his productions, had ample time to improve the confession. On the 4th of May, he wrote to Luther concerning this matter and says, quote, I have given the introduction to our confession a more elegant turn than it had as I wrote it in Coburg. But I will shortly bring it to you, or if the elector will not permit this, send it to you. End quote. He was already able to send the confession to Luther on the 11th of May, but he now called it an apology, because at the same time it should also be a defense of the evangelical faith. It was his intention to prove in this that the doctrine of the evangelical party did not at all depart from the Christian church. He writes, quote, We send our apology to you, although it is rather a confession, for the emperor has no time to listen to long disputations. But I have, nevertheless, mentioned whatever I considered to be particularly useful and appropriate. On this account I have included nearly every article of faith, because Eck has published quite devilish blasphemies against us. I wish to present an antidote to this. You will judge of the entire work according to your own mind. Melanchthon and the elector, who added a letter to the confession, inquired of Luther what ought to be done in case the emperor should prohibit the evangelical party from preaching. Luther returned Melanchthon's manuscript to the elector with these words, quote, I have read Mr. Phillips' apology. I like it well enough. I know of nothing to improve or alter in it. Besides, that would not be suitable, for I cannot walk so meekly and so silently. May Christ our Lord grant that this may produce much and great fruit, even as we hope and pray. Amen. End quote. In reply to the question concerning preaching, he declared his opinion that, quote, they ought to yield to the emperor if previous humble remonstrance has been made, because the city is his, quote. As the emperor still delayed, Melanchthon again took the file in hand in order to give greater perfection to the confession of faith. He wrote to Luther on the 22nd of May, quote, I daily alter many things in the apology. I have taken out the article on vows, because it was by far too short and meager, and I have put a fuller one in its place. I am now arranging the article on the power of the keys, end quote. 
He prepared the Latin as well as the German text. When the document was completed, it was also communicated to the ambassadors of the free cities. These were so well pleased with it that the resolution that it should be signed in the name of all the evangelical states was passed at once. However, the theologians of the various states met together to discuss the different articles of the confession. They particularly discussed the little word, really, in Article 10, which treats of the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ. For this was opposed by some in the most determined manner. While they were thus deliberating, the emperor was still delaying his coming, and they were thus kept in the greatest suspense. It was reported that the notorious Kajitan was accompanying the emperor as the legate of the pope. Melanchthon says of him, quote, He is a foolish and insolent man, with whom you cannot do anything, end quote. But this report, as so many others circulated at this time, was not corroborated. The elector had sent John von Dolzig to the imperial court, who returned with the order that all preaching in Augsburg should be stopped. We already know what Luther thought of this. Melanchthon entertained the same opinion, but the elector and his chancellor, Bruck, were unwilling to obey this prohibition and protested against it. At last the emperor decided that no preacher, no matter who he might be, should be permitted to preach in Augsburg without being appointed to do so by the emperor himself. When the Lutherans in Augsburg were likewise deliberating what they should do, if they should be forbidden to eat meat on certain days, if spiritual jurisdiction should be demanded again, and they should desire to re-establish convents, and the like, Melanchthon delivered his written opinion to the elector. He was in favor of yielding, but opposed the re-establishment of convents. The conduct of the landgrave Philip of Hesse grieved him exceedingly for he was very anxious to bring about a union between the Lutherans and the Swiss. For this purpose, he had previously brought about the conference at Marburg, without, however, accomplishing his purpose in the doctrine of the Lord's Supper. He still entertained thoughts of a union. On this account, Melanchthon wrote to Luther, May 22nd, quote, I entreat you most earnestly to write to the landgrave and to exhort him that he should not burden his conscience by defending any false doctrine. End quote. In addition to this, Melanchthon and Brentz also addressed a letter to the landgrave and justified themselves for not being able to unite with the Zwinglians. The landgrave replied in very temperate language insisting upon treating the Zwinglians as brethren, without, however, being able to shake the opinions of the two theologians. The Catholics knew very well that such divisions had arisen in the evangelical camp. It will always remain a subject of regret that no union could be brought about. Melanchthon and Brentz declared, quote, 
we have such articles of which by the grace of god we are certain and are able to suffer for them with a good conscience which is indeed a source of great comfort in every danger but we cannot be certain of the zwinglian doctrine as it is called for we have no clear word of god for it relying upon the word of god they could indeed calmly await coming events at last the emperor who had delayed so long arrived in augsburg he made his public entrance on the fifteenth of june not cogitin but the smoother compegius accompanied the emperor as the pope's legate we may well suppose that this public entrance was very magnificent the following day was the festival of corpus christi as the evangelical princes could not conscientiously take a part in this festival which celebrated a doctrine which they rejected most decidedly they took no part in the procession they declared to the emperor who insisted upon their attendance quote, they could not conscientiously before god comply with this demand because this procession was made a species of worship the princes at first expressed themselves in the most decided manner against the emperor's demand that the preaching should be stopped the margrave george even said before the emperor quote, rather than deny my god and his gospel i would kneel down here before your imperial majesty and have my head cut off quote. the emperor replied in his defective german quote, not head off not head off quote. however as the emperor had prohibited preaching to both parties and had reserved the right to appoint preachers for himself the lutherans could not complain any longer especially as their theologians advised peaceful measures the day preceding the opening of the diet melanchthon wrote to his friend camerarius that the confession would be more moderate than the ungodliness of their enemies deserved he had only insisted upon the principal matters and restored spiritual jurisdiction entirely to the bishops that many indeed were dissatisfied with this but that he would be willing to accept even more stringent conditions if peace might be attained by these means he continues quote, after mercurinus is dead there is no one of any consequence at court who is inclined to peace he had gained over a spanish secretary who promised well and had already spoken to the emperor and capegius but all lies in the hands of god pray to christ that he may grant peace not only are we forbidden to preach but our adversaries also however the emperor by his imperial power will appoint a preacher who shall only read the mere text of the gospel and epistle in this you may observe the wonderful wisdom of the courtiers concerning the prospects of the diet luther thus strikingly expresses himself towards agricola quote, truly you are not merely to contend with men in augsburg 
but with the gates of hell. End quote. And again, quote, The Lord Jesus, who has sent you all thither to be his witnesses and servants, and for whose sake you expose your necks, be with you and testify unto you by his Spirit, that you may know with certainty, and may not doubt, that you are his witnesses. This faith will strengthen and comfort you, for you are the ambassadors of a great king. These are true words. Amen. End quote. Such courageous faith should have filled all the Lutherans, and Melanchthon in particular. End of chapter 11, part 1. Recording by Bill Mosley, Lano County, Texas, USA.